Hi, my name is Felonis Floyd, and I'm the brother of George Floyd. On May 25th, 2020, my brother was tortured and murdered by four police officers in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the United States. I thank you for holding this urgent meeting for the opportunity to speak to you today. My brother was unarmed and was accused of passing a counterfeit $20 bill. The entire incident showed my brother murdered was captured on camera. My family and I had to watch the last moments of his life when he was tortured to death, including the eight minutes and 46 seconds one officer kept his knee on my brother's neck. My brother begged the officer for his life, cried out for our mama who was already dead and said over and over again, I can't breathe. Even after my brother was unconscious, stopped moving and stopped breathing, the officers kept his knee on my brother's neck for another four minutes as many witnesses begged the officer to take his knee off my brother's neck and save his life. The officer showed no mercy, no humanity, and tortured my brother to death in the middle of the street in Minneapolis and with a crowd of witnesses watched and begging them to stop showing us black people the same lesson yet again. Black lives do not matter in the United States of America. None of the police officers were fired for murdering my brother until masses of people in the United States and around the world protested the injustice. When people dared to raise their voice and protest for my brother, they were tear gassed, run over with police vehicles. Several people lost eyes and suffered brain damage to rubber bullets. Peaceful protesters were shot and killed by police. Journalists were beaten and blinded when they tried to show the world the brutality happening at the protest. When people raised their voices to protest the treatment of black people in America, they are silenced. They are shot and killed. My brother, George Floyd, is one of the many black men and women that have been murdered by police in recent years. The sad truth is that the case is not unique. The way you saw my brother tortured and murdered on camera is the way black people are treated by police in America. You watched my brother die. That could have been me. I am my brother's keeper. You in the United Nations are your brothers and sisters keepers in America, and you have the power to help us get justice for my brother George Floyd. I am asking you to help him. I am asking you to help me. I am asking you to help us, black people in America. I hope that you will consider establishing an independent commission of inquiry to investigate police killings of black people in America and the violence used against peaceful protesters. So I wanted to start today's stream and tomorrow's podcast with George Floyd's brother, Felonis. Felonis? I'm, I know I'm saying it wrong. Felonis Floyd, his speech with the ACLU, which he had given to the UN Human Rights Council. Um, and the reason why I wanted to start with it is because everywhere I looked... And everywhere I searched, 
online. I mean, it took me, I don't know why it took me so long to find out that the full video was on the ACLU YouTube. In fact, it's even surprising to me that here on the ACL YouTube, it has almost 600 views. I was mad that everybody reporting on this did not have his full speech. Not a single major outlet I could find displayed his full speech. All of them were quotes. All of them were put into context. And none of it was just his words. <laughs> that just really grinded my gears. I, I, it still does. I can feel it. It still, it still bothers me that his entire, all of his own words, only pieces of it were disseminated <laughs> and spread. So if, if there's uh, anybody else that's played it in full, uh, that, that, that would be great to know, but, whew, uh, Looking for it online today was actually very frustrating for me until I finally just found it here on the ACLU YouTube page, which has 30,000 subscribers. Um, yeah, I'd say give them a follow since they deal with a lot of our legal rights. Fuck it. I got space. I hit them with a subscribe. Ooh, shit. Gotta let that marinate because the, the fight is not, not over, even though um, it seems like we're moving on to John Bolton. <laughs> John Bolton be the be the news and then Corona resurging be the news. Chaz falling apart, being coming a joke, being the news. Hmm. It's interesting. Just uh America's wave of being able to move from issue to issue and being completely bombarded and overwhelmed by all of them, which I completely understand because there's too fucking many. There's too many problems. I've heard people say it's a failed state, but, uh, you know, they sure make it look good. There's <laughs> a lot of decadence in the United uh, failed states of America. But, you know... I think I wanted to take the time to do something a little bit different than reading somebody's article because I'm illiterate, I'm stupid, and the whole reason why I did this was to actually grow and learn and um, figure out shit from Shinola when it comes to knowledge and information and um, everything that's going on right now. Uh, this was a great place to start in my personal opinion. I think I had originally just started on Reddit, kind of going around, and I couldn't really figure out, like, I just don't, I don't want to read some toxic uh, Republican shit right now. Um, I would love to enjoy some Tucker Carlson, but I'm a little bit bothered, so I can't really find any hubris out of it, and so I just kept scrolling through this bullshitting, like I do. And finally, our science spoke out to me with psychology and how social media use linked to belief in COVID-19's conspiracies and breaking lockdown rules. Now, it kind of struck me because we're all pretty aware of the fact that social media has a lot of sway on the information that we see and a lot of the information we believe. And it got even more interesting 
because it said just in the headline and I still want to read this, but it says here, not in the headline, but, um, I don't know what this section would be called, but this little underline beneath the headline is there's a toxic mix between underlying beliefs, misleading information and how people act. And I have been so lost in people, uh, explaining their conspiracy theories to me, trying to understand like how this is better, um, than challenging the systems themselves rather than secret cabals and societies and um when really the the bastards are right in the open that's 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 the real part and i can't convince people of who the bastards are because of our underlying beliefs and i was also listening to a podcast like a nerd do it was harmontown back from like 2014 live in chicago and man was that that show is a fucking mess. Like, they're all hammered as shit, and Dino Starburns is just fucking racist up the ass for the for the laughs. And they actually bring up a uh, psycho... What was it? A neurologist. They brought up a neurologist to uh, talk about race. And her... Because that's where she studies, is, like, people people's brain reactions to study... Uh, to, to racism. She studies that. The, the brain activity behind... Um, our implicit biases and the thing that stuck out to me is that <laughs> Spencer asked her straight up that is it like is the only way to combat racism by confronting our own personal inherent biases and she just said yes and it was it was over they solved racism and it makes sense because that I, I feel like that's what leads us to the things that we believe is that it already has to do with things that we have built inside of us of what we perceive to be or want to be. That's that's already there. The expectations and uh, the, the past experiences create those underlying beliefs that then form our um, beliefs that we're going to build upon those. So <laughs> all of that leading me to some random article on Reddit just said perfect. And all, on more on that, I got more curious about different studies, so I went to the UCLA website, which, um, you know, people can have their opinions about the UCLA, um, but I'm pretty sure that they fund studies, and studies are how we understand things. I don't, um, I don't know of the UCLA being discredited for its misinformation campaigns in, in, uh, uh, conspiracy theories the same way that we constantly accuse Facebook of pushing these same ideas. But, you know, that's, again, that's just going to lead to some weird loop with somebody who is in these conspiracy theories because I find that it's pretty hard to convince anybody without some semblance of authority, without, like, some reason to be believed. Um... So I'm still trying to figure it out because I don't think uh, it's the end-all be-all. I think there's ways that, you know, people, if they really want to, can look in the mirror. But um, let's see here. I think it's best to just start from the beginning. But uh, 
The first one, dealing with social media before I get into confronting bias and behavioral science from UCLA, is first the social media use linked to belief in COVID-19 conspiracies and breaking lockdown rules, which is from King's College London. Um, Faculties and Departments, Policy Institute, and I think that has something else to do with not, not this article, but here we go. I didn't, I didn't find an author, no specific author of this information. Let me see. Um, Daniel Allington, Senior Lecturer in Social and Cultural Artificial Intelligence. It says in this story, so I'm not sure he wrote it. <laughs> um, but I guess I'm just going to give credit to the King's College London. Whoops. All right. People who get their information about coronavirus from social media platforms such as Facebook and YouTube are more likely to believe conspiracy theories about COVID-19 and to have broken key lockdown rules, according to a new UK study by King's College London in Ipsis MORI. I should probably look that up as well. Everybody should check their sources within their sources. I clicked the study here though. It's from the Policy Institute, uh, King's College London. It's a collaboration. So uh, yeah, Daniel Allington had uh, some work to do with this and Bobby Duffy. Um, check your sources if you feel like it. I'm already too deep. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, check the sources. Peer-reviewed article. Uh, great. Conducted on the 22nd uh, to... Or the 20th, the 20th through the 22nd of May. Uh, res, uh, 2,254 UK residents aged 16 through 75. Um, so that's kind of the pool group you're getting. Um, not necessarily discussing too much of their material conditions that would lead them toward this, but we know that everybody has access to social media goddamn nearly everywhere. Um, so it could have a um, wide array of effects on human brains, but at least by getting a large sample study from uh, UK residents, we can get a better understanding. That's the that's kind of how studies work, and I mean, if you want to ki continue refuting them, then you have to make studies and provide evidence. Otherwise, you're just arguing and bickering on the internet, not knowing what you're talking about. And so, I mean, I'm gonna try and start at the foundations rather than trying to figure out how to untangle somebody else whose foundations is built upon. God knows what, bro. Like, anywhere between Flat Earth and QAnon. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, bro. Alright. Uh, people who believe conspiracy theories about COVID-19 are more likely to have broken key lockdown rules, which, I mean, makes sense, because COVID-19 says it's mostly nonsense. Those conspiracies think nonsense is out there killing people. 38% of those who think there is no hard evidence that COVID-19 really exists have had family friends visit them at home, compared with 12% of those who think that's false. Okay. So these are basically all of the findings that they got. 
People who believe in conspiracy theories are more likely to be getting their information about COVID-19 from social media. For example, 60% of those who believe the symptoms are linked to 5G radiation say that much of their information on COVID-19 comes from YouTube, compared with 14% of those who think that's false. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that it, that is the downside of letting us motherfuckers just run around with uh free uh software to just uh lick your minds full of brainwash. People who have broken key lockdown rules are more likely to be getting their information from COVID-19 or about COVID-19 from social media. For example, 58% of those who have gone outside when they had symptoms that could be COVID-19 say that much of their information on COVID-19 comes from YouTube, compared with 16% of those who haven't. All right, I, you know, a little, a little bias here that I'm going to say is that probably almost even a lot of people who believe that COVID-19 is a problem probably get a lot of their information from social media. So... I mean, I kind of see an issue right there with the study. Um, I poked, I don't know if it's a significant hole, but I, I feel like I poked one. Just because, yeah, every I feel like most people, if they're not a boomer, um, are probably getting social media. But I guess, you know, if you have those numbers of people getting, it's still very difficult for me to agree with this, that just because the fact that, like, Yeah, I guess social media helps the spread is basically the the information to get here just because everybody uses it. People are broke. Yeah. There's still more to 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 get to because um these are just the the statistics that they have found. Are the following statements true or false? Coronavirus was created in a laboratory. Let me see here. I didn't read that full part, but let's just go back up to the beginning. All right. Significant portions of the population believe in conspiracies or are confused about the virus. Okay. So there's the link and connection that I missed, and it's right there. That's my problem. I'm always jumping ahead, just trying not to get hit by a bus. Uh, three and ten think that coronavirus was probably created in a lab up from a quarter at the beginning of April. Yikes. <laughs> uh, three in ten think most people in the UK have had coronavirus without realizing it. Yikes. Three in ten believe in COVID-19 death tolls being deliberately reduced or hidden by the authorities. Hmm. So... I guess that one we're agreeing that uh, oh, deliberately reduced and hidden by authorities. There are systemic reasons why it's actually uh, reduced, not necessarily hidden by authorities. It's just the improper ways we've been counting and been handling it. It's uh, it's sloppy, and so the numbers are just fucked up. And by even having that fuck up happen, um, is just kind of convenient because it keeps the numbers low. You feel. I want to blame it on incompetence rather than uh, deliberate. Maybe, but maybe the incompetence and in not fixing that is deliberate. I don't know. See, I can create a conspiracy theory whenever the fuck I want. 
Um, one in seven believe the death toll is being deliberately exaggerated by the authorities. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's shorter. One in eight believe that the current pandemic is part of a global effort to force everyone to be vaccinated. That, mm, that's a worrying statistic, actually. Uh, more than 1 in 20 believe that the symptoms that most people blame on COVID-19 appear to be connected to 5G network radiation. Okay. Hmm. More than 1 in 20 believe there is no hard evidence that COVID-19 really exists. So the 5G radiation and uh, the fact that COVID-19 doesn't really exist are a bit more fringe. You're less likely to meet them than you are somebody who doesn't want to get vaccinated. Not sure if that's worrying. Uh, right. Belief in seven coronavirus conspiracy theories and confusions and where people get their information from summary. Are the following statements true or false? Okay. Coronavirus was probably created in a laboratory with 30% saying true. Yikes. 41% saying false. The number of people reported as dying from coronavirus is being deliberately reduced or hidden by the authorities. 30% true. 44% false. And each of these has about 26 to 29% not feeling it. Don't know. Taking the agnostic knee here. I, um, hmm. It's significant for people to just say, I don't know. But that tends to be even closer to a smaller minority until you get to the fringe ideas. Interesting. Um, so the number of people, nope, most people in the UK have already had coronavirus without realizing it. 38% false. 28% said true. 33% said, who the fuck knows? I'm not a doctor. The number of people reported as dying from coronavirus is being deliberately exaggerated by the authorities. 14% true. 17% I don't know. And 69 nice falses. Um, the current pandemic is part of a global effort to force everyone to be vaccinated, whether they want to or not. 13% true. 18% feeling I don't know. And then we get a sweet 70 on false. Uh, the symptoms that most people blame on coronavirus appear to be linked to 5G network radiation, which is 8% true. 13% I don't fucking know. 79% false. And then there is no hard evidence that corona really exists. 7% true. 11% mm. 82% at the false. Um, yeah. And I mean, if um, these be the, the, the conspiracies, those are the seven um, attached, then it seems like there's a bigger consensus that their numbers are small, they're a minority, but yet, um, as it claimed up earlier, is that it's risen since, what, uh, April? This is a May study. Um, so I guess they're trying to keep track of it every month, but I, you know, 
haven't I haven't seen the first study, but you know, let's keep rolling. Please tell us how much of what you know about coronavirus, if anything, comes from TV and radio broadcasters, including through their websites and online. TV and radio broadcasters, including their websites and online. I just had to repeat it for that that clarity because TV and radio broadcasters don't really mean that much when you include website and online. Well, then you break it down to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and WhatsApp. So I'm just saying the top one is whether or not it's very specific people um, through medias, the newspaper and magazines would be more like media outlets that, you know, print, I guess, in a way. And then family and friends. Oof. Damn. That one took a... Family and friends don't spread very much information between each other, but that's because we all get our shit from the same place. Um... YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and WhatsApp. All right. Please tell us how much of what you know about coronavirus, if anything, comes from TV TV and radio broadcasters, including their websites and online, has the most. So TV and radio broadcasters, shouts out to your boy, um, are the most influencing on people. 37% say a great deal. About 45% are feeling about a fair amount. Um, while nothing at all gets about 5%. Newspaper and magazines seem to be the second influers, influencers. Staying in strong. Um, all of these would be nothing without YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and WhatsApp, though. Without like these actual platforms to aggregate all of this, um, they would be nothing. So I, I find it fascinating that people in this study said uh, they get their info from YouTube like 7%, Facebook 6%, Twitter 5%. Like, really though? Because it looks like if you're getting it from TV, radio, broadcasters on these websites, it's correlated, right? Right? Hmm. Hmm. Who believes in coronavirus conspiracies testing seven key conspiracy theories and confusions? One. Coronavirus was probably created in a laboratory. And by the way, I'm probably studying this study wrong because I never went to a college to learn how to read studies. I just found one and said, fuck it. Uh, the proportion of the UK public who think COVID-19 was probably made in a lab is up five percentage points since the second week of lockdown, rising from 25% then to 35, uh, 30% now. Mm-hmm. So apparently through when they asked April 1st through the 3rd, 25% said coronavirus was from a lab. Uh, about a month and a half later, uh, 30% said coronavirus was made in a lab. There has been a much bigger increase of 14 points in the proportion of conservative voters who believe this claim. Huh. 39% now think it is true, up from 25%. That's all a bigger increase than the overall. Percent who think statement is true by 2019 general election and EU referendum votes. 
That's funny. They're comparing the <laughs> coronavirus belief with uh, uh, Brexit. That's pretty funny. <laughs> what the fuck is a Lib Dem? What's a lab? Oh, oh yeah, this is from the UK. <laughs> they have three parties. <laughs> Hello from America, the two-party state. Um, 37% of those with no formal education qualification and those with GCSE level awards believe this claim compared with 22% of those with degrees or even higher qualifications. What the fuck is a GS, uh, GCSE? I'm going to guess percent who say statement is true among different groups. Coronavirus was probably created in a lab. Is that general education? Like GSE? Like is that or G GCSE? Is that you like y'all's version of Gen Ed? G C S E. The fuck is that? Yeah, general Cert certificate of secondary education. Oh, it's y'all's GED. Oh. Why don't y'all just have a GED? You know, get with the times. Um, a equivalent, a level or equivalent. So apparently <laughs> they're correlating, um, education, how far you made it through school to that. But I, I would want to compare to the fact that like the amount of information that we get outside of school, cause you know, it's not fair that you keep all these studies at these schools and the degrees and masters and PhDs get to continually read them for homework, like forcing them to understand the world while um, we're left to our own devices. Like it, I've been having a hard time trying to find like studies and um, never really given the tools. And another thing was trying to find old archived articles on Google too. was like stupid, dumb, frustrating. I can go on long rants about all of that, but let's move on. Belief that COVID-19 was likely created in a lab is relatively consistent across all age groups at around 30%. Well, they've got 30% of almost all of us. So we're all complicit. People need to get their generations in check. Uh, those who are not concerned about lifting the lockdown restrictions are much more likely to believe that coronavirus was created in a lab. That makes sense. Well, that doesn't make sense, because if it was made in a lab, wouldn't that make it more dangerous? Thus, we should really stay locked down. Like, because if it's purposely out to kill people, that means it's probably, like, very lethal. So that doesn't make sense that those two things, like, those, they seem very contradictory beliefs. To be like, it was made in a lab, why are we locked down? Like, that sounds really strong to me, dude. Like, that sounds like a Frankenstein fucking virus. Like, that sounds devastating. Who believes in coronavirus conspiracies? Uh, part two. Most people in the UK have already had coronavirus without realizing it. Oh, we're going through every seven. Yep. So they find every piece of the study and then break it down at the top for the summary so that you don't have to go through the whole thing. And I find that extremely convenient. The labor, though. I don't even know what the difference is between their conservatives, uh, labor, and their lib 
Dems. I don't. Sorry, y'all. I don't know y'all's politics enough to even understand how you run off a three-party system and get shit done. Those who believe the level of infection is so high are almost twice as likely to be unconcerned about lifting the lockdown restrictions. They're also more likely to believe COVID-19 poses a low or no risk to people in the UK. Strange. Yet again, those are some weird conflicting beliefs. So, very worried about lifting lockdown restrictions was found at 22%. Not worried about lifting restrictions was found at 40%. And the correlation there is that coronavirus poses low to no risk at 37%. Poses high risk is at that 27%. It's strange how those proportions didn't come out equally. Just gotta, I'm just saying... Um, people who think they have had COVID-19 are twice as likely as those who don't, wait, to believe that a majority of the public have had the virus without realizing it. And belief in this claim decreases with age. People who think that they have had COVID-19 are twice as likely as those who don't to believe that a majority of the public have had the virus without realizing it. Well, that makes sense, because if you're willing to think, well, I've already had it, why wouldn't you be able to say, like, ah, people are just stupid. They had it, and they just weren't paying attention. Um, mm-hmm. These are some cool fucking beans. Decreases with age. So as you get older, the less likely you are to believe that you had coronavirus. And we might want to listen to our elders on that one because they might have experienced almost every sickness we know. And about 18% of them think they've already gone through it. And also, uh, yeah. And that means they're less likely to say that other people have gone through it. Uh, the third conspiracy theory here, the number of people reported as dying from coronavirus is being deliberately reduced or hidden by the authorities. The Labor Party seems to be taking that lead away from the cons on that one. They take that buku. Percent who say statement is true among different groups. The number of people reported as dying from coronavirus is being deliberately reduced or hidden by the authorities. Uh, trust information tr provided by government on coronavirus, not very much, not at all, 45%. I'm still trying to find, alright, maybe that's because I got too lost in just this study alone. But this one um, kind of finds out the p general public in their standing in these coronaviruses. And I feel like I've broken it down enough because I've lost the article that I was originally going to go into. And I feel like I learned a good amount that I, I, I should actually just save this. I'm going to save it and study the UK politics a little bit more because how do y'all have three, how do y'all have three parties? How do you decide who to vote for? And how do you decide who gets how much time? Do you have primaries? Like how does any of it work? Because if you have primaries, that must mean you have like 50 billion candidates at one time.
but yeah um so there's a study uh, about demographics and the coronavirus conspiracy theories that are spreading through the internet but what i wanted to get into was the article itself discussing this right here so we already went over the statistics here so i'm gonna skip that part but the link with social media moves on here several of these statements are conspiracy theories which suggest coronavirus may not be a threat to public health the peer-reviewed article finds a statistically significant link between believing in such conspiracy theories and using social media in particular people who believe in these conspiracy theories are more likely to get a fair amount or great deal of their information about the virus from facebook and youtube 60% of those who believe the virus is linked to 5G radiation get their information from YouTube, compared with 14% of those who think that's false. Is the 14% that, like, who also use YouTube? I'm sorry, I got a little lost on that, but at least the article's here as well. Might as well save both. Um, health protective behavior, social media usage, and conspiracy belief during the COVID-19 public health emergency is another study by the same two uh, gentlemen from earlier and a couple more from Cambridge University. Going to save that because now that I'm actually finding studies, I can put them in my fucking back pocket like it's nothing. Like, it's nothing. I got a wallet full of studies now, bud. Like, I'm my own fucking library, bro. Um, got it. Alright. Of course, I mean, I should probably just say fuck it and throw them, throw them in the chats and, you know. Why, why keep it all to myself? And I shouldn't be throwing these in the chat just for posterity's sake right there. Anything you need. It's right there. All right. Moving on. So it's going to be significant to actually go through that study itself, but I'm just going to continue on through the summary article that was posted Woo! on this first website because there's no point in breaking down every single study here because that's going to become a three-hour affair, and I don't feel like decaying in a chair. Hit them with the bars. All right. 56% of people who believe there's no hard evidence of COVID-19 exists use Facebook as a key information source, almost three times higher than the proportion of non-believers who do, which is 20%. 56% believe there's no hard evidence exists. Wow. Well, I guess the hard evidence is actually just probably, like, proof. Like, is so long as you get some denial on Facebook, right? Just enough to plant the seed of the idea. And so long as this person is so um, detached from it, which, you know, I haven't seen Corona firsthand. I'm not a fucking nurse or a doctor. I work in a factory, basically alone. A warehouse. Um... So I doubt I'm going to see much like horrors of COVID. Um, but until it actually impacts people who uh, believe there's no hard evidence, the hard evidence is experience, apparently. 
And that's going to be very hard to sell people on because it's not like you can fly them all out to to go see coronavirus patients. So, uh, huh. 45% of those who believe COVID-19 deaths are being exaggerated get a lot of their information from Facebook, more than twice the 19% of non-believers who say the same. Hmm. The article also finds that people who have broken the lockdown rules are more likely to be getting their information on the virus from social media. In the latest and most comprehensive survey, 58% of those who have gone outside with COVID-19 symptoms use YouTube as a main information source, compared with 16% of those who haven't. 18% of those who have obeyed the two-meter rule is that how many, is that how, is that how much, is that six feet in meters? <laughs> I don't know, metric. <laughs> uh, obey the two meter rule, get a lot of their information from the video streaming site. 18% of those who obeyed. That's a contrast to 42% among those who haven't obeyed it. 37% of people who have had friends or family visit them at home list Facebook as a key source compared with 23% of those who haven't. Yes, and so there's another study here uh, with compliance with the lockdown. The article finds a statistically significant link between believing in such conspiracy theories and breaking lockdown rules, which can be seen in the latest survey's findings, which it lists below. The number of people reported as dying from coronavirus uh, oh, we've we've gone over these statistics here as well. It seems like even that seven conspiracy theory was the the first study I had gone over was the um, sum total of two different studies. So that's uh, that's interesting. Peer reviewed as well. So I mean, if you if you just don't trust any authority whatsoever, there's no convincing you that this study has any information that can be useful to you. But if you're willing to trust people who spend their life trying to just understand uh, science, sociology, I mean, what they spend their lives trying to get degrees on and spend their whole careers on these fucking whack ass uh, debt holes. Unless you know they make enough money to get out, which they may or may not, but. I just don't see uh, Dr. Daniel Allington, Senior Lecturer in Social and Cultural Artificial Intelligence, Department of Digital Humanities at King's College London, putting his career at risk um, to kill people. Maybe, but I, I doubt it. Just because I don't see the, uh, the benefit to him. Like, as a doctor, he, I don't see the benefit. Our findings suggest that social media use is linked both to false beliefs about COVID-19 and to failure to the fo uh, follow the clear-cut rules of the lockdown. This is not surprising, given that so much of the information on social media is misleading or downright wrong. Now that some of the lockdown rules are being relaxed, people will have to make more and more of their own decisions about what is safe or unsafe which means that access to good quality information about COVID-19 will be more important than ever. It's time for us to think about what action we can take to address this very problem. That was Daniel Allington, Senior Lecturer in Social and Cultural Artificial Intelligence, Department of Digital Humanities at King's College London. Professor Bobby Duffy, Director of the Policy Institute at King's College London said, quote, 
even the more extreme conspiracy theories around COVID-19 are thought to be true by a large section of the public, with one in five people saying they believe at least one from there being a link to 5G radiation, or that the pandemic is part of a global force vaccination program, or that there is no evidence the disease actually exists. And this is important, as there are clear links between belief in conspiracy theories and both lower trust in government and less compliance with the guidelines set to control the disease. Where people get their information about the virus is also strongly related, with both believing in conspiracies and breaking the lockdown rules clearly linked to getting more of your information from social media. These sort of associations cannot prove that misinformation on social media platforms causes belief in conspiracies, lower trust, and a greater likelihood of breaking the rules, but they point to a toxic mix between underlying beliefs and misleading information that can have real effects on how people behave even during a pandemic. So, it's all there. If there's disputes, it, it is readable. But the underlying beliefs thing is what really stuck out to me as well. Because how can we understand our beliefs if we don't understand how they're formed? I don't necessarily understand how I'm formed. I make decisions off of instances happening, second by second, moment by moment. Um, you know, I try as much planning as I can get through the day, but um, most of every second I feel like is a decision, whether it's moving my hand to make a snapping noise to make a point that time moves like that, or to not do it at all. I feel like that... <laughs> has to do with these underlying things that not necessarily just control me but have at least the 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 influence and whatever it is of this influence that I cannot necessarily see or even name does not necessarily mean it's not there so that's when I found the UCLA study by Keith Payne from November 29th, 2016 about behavioral sciences uh, shows why we must stay vigilant about calling out everyday bigotry. Behavioral sciences show us why. So that might be a sciences we might want to fund more or understand better. I, I feel like behavioral science sounds like something that I have no idea under, and I sometimes feel like, why is my behavior like this? Why am I like this? And maybe the sciences can get us there just as much as sitting there and meditating. I feel like people can both go off of their feelings and also what science says is in the background. So... The article here goes on. In the days following Donald Trump's election, reports of hate crimes and racial harassment surged. African-American freshmen at University of Pennsylvania were spammed with me messages about lynching black people. Now remember, this article is actually from... Oh, okay, I have a written date here. Uh, it was published January 3rd, 2017. Now, I just want to mention, because lately in the news... 
there have been people reported found hanging in public places. Some have been quickly ruled as suicide, and others are just waiting to hear the word lynched. So it's fascinating that this uh, 2017 study in its second sentence here says African-American freshmen at University of Pennsylvania were spammed with messages about lynching black people. And as our race relations, communal relations, and our divisions uh, get worse, uh, it's it's fascinating that we've we've already seen the signs of what was coming, and we're seeing the signs of what another four more years can do, and yeah, that's why I think it's important to understand bigotry before smashing the fuck out of it. Know thy enemy, am I right? Vandals in Wellsville, New York, painted swastikas on a building at a softball field with the message, Make America White Again. Flyers distributed at Texas State University read, Now that our man Trump is elected, and Republicans own both the Senate and the House, time to, rec- uh, time to organize, tar, and feather vigilante squads and go arrest and torture those deviant university leaders spouting all of this diversity garbage. I'm going to open that in a new tab because torture those deviant university leaders, quote, had a source to it. I'm going to verify here. It's from the Statesman, which is from Texas. And, yep, article here posted... November 11, 2016. There was an update. Usually they add an addendum at the bottom what the update is, but I don't see what it is. But yeah, here it is. Texas State Employee said several of the flyers have been found around campus. Bada boom, bada bing. Easily sourced. These incidents are undoubtedly alarming, and behavioral science points to something else that keeps me up at night implicit bias. For every person with blatantly bigoted beliefs, alliteration, there are many more who hold ordinary implicit biases. These are stereotypical thoughts and feelings that come to mind involuntarily, even when the thinker consciously rejects those thoughts. For example, people may think briefly about terrorism when they see a Muslim. Oh, actually, when they see a Muslim American at the airport before dismissing that thought as unfounded. Or white people may feel an instant of fear when they see an African American before rejecting that feeling as inconsistent with their values. Research suggests that the majority of Americans, hundreds of millions of people, hold such implicit biases. Got a little lost here. Research from my neuroscience and psychology lab at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill suggests that cues from authority figures can make the difference between keeping implicit biases in check and capitulating to them. To test this idea, we divided participants into two groups. The first group was told by the experimenter that their attitudes were valid and were encouraged to express their opinions, even if they were not politically correct. 
In the second group, the experimenter informed participants that everyone is uh, vulnerable to biases, but did not validate those biases. We then asked participants to rate their feelings toward black and white Americans. Participants who associated black faces with negative feelings overtly expressed much more dislike for African Americans when their biases had been validated as acceptable by the experimenter. Quick addendum here is that I find it fascinating because it has a lot to do with the same uh, idea behind uh, the, the, the shock um, study where they had uh, a guy shock another person in, in a room for not answering questions right as they increase the voltage the voltage and I think you already see where I'm going with this it's a very old study and even though I think even though the person knew they felt horrible for continuing to send these shocks the uh, doctor said that he was holding the responsibility and that he the doctor is giving this man permission to continue on with the experiment, which almost exonerates the man to just keep going until the other person just doesn't answer. Because we accept things are more palatable and acceptable from authorities, someone with foundation that says this is the way it is and seems legitimate and justified, right? If they can pass those two thresholds, legitimate and justified, they're in, they're authority. In another study, we measured participants' implicit bias regarding gay couples. We suggested to one group that their implicit reactions were a legitimate product of their own genuine beliefs. We assured a second group that their attitudes had nothing to do with their real selves, but could be dismissed as a reflection of stereotypes in the culture. We then measured their agreement with explicitly anti-gay statements like, quote, I would remove my child from class if I found out the teacher was gay, and hospitals shouldn't hire gay male doctors, unquote. Again, participants who scored high on implicit bias expressed much more anti-gay sentiment when their biases were legitimized by the experimenter. Holding implicit biases does not make a person a bigot or a racist. We are all vulnerable to implicit biases because the human mind always thinks in categories and generalizations. What matters most is that we reject those generalizations by making the effort to do so. Millions of Americans hold implicit biases they consciously choose to reject, whether out of sincere desire to rise above them or out of a practical necessity to take part in a civil society. But the daily choice to reject bias requires strong social norms that say prejudice is unacceptable. Those social norms have been slowly evolving toward greater tolerance over the past few decades. But if the new Trump administration is seen as a sign that explicit bigotry is acceptable again, and that norms against racism and Islamophobia are nothing more than, quote, political correctness, the consequences will be much broader than abuses from a small number of extremists. Left unchecked, implicit bias increases the risk of discrimination in hiring, medical treatment, policing, and countless daily decisions, large and small. A uh, quick addendum here is that that right there, left unchecked, and it affecting everything else, 
that's system that's that's that that's that that's systemic racism sexism genderism identityism that's the systemic that it stems through it starts affecting every part of your life becoming harder and harder to survive yeah even a slight uptick in the expression of casual bias when multiplied by millions of people would have a devastating cumulative effect pardon me i need a sip i need a sippy sip of that water mm-hmm Accidentally scrolled to the top. Studies of how to reduce discrimination have found that social norms can have a bigger impact on behavior than personally held beliefs, which are often difficult to change. First, maintaining social norms against prejudice means consciously rejecting your own implicit bias. Then it means speaking up, regardless of who you voted for, to say loudly and clearly in personal conversations and on social media that bias is not our way and bigotry is unacceptable. Rejecting prejudice is not and cannot be a partisan issue. I think I feel like he hit the nail on the on the head there. And it's hard for me to argue with the summary of these studies. So I'm going to save reducing intergroup prejudice and conflict using the media, a field experiment in Rwanda. Interesting. Very interesting. The, the study wasn't even actually on Americans this time, so it's going to be interesting to look on uh, a field experiment in a completely different country. Um, yeah. That's probably the dorkiest, dorkiest thing I've ever said, but... Whew. Couple more study for the bank, for the library. I'm gonna have to, like, create a Google Doc for all of these to be easily accessible in the, in the world to just, like, collect all these studies that I find, and then I can put them in, like, this little online bank on a Google Doc. Should I be revealing my plans? No, that was a bad idea. That was a bad idea. Oh, sh I didn't save that other study. I need to go back. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hmm. I just need to start saving these websites too. This this is actually where they're where they're posted. That's that's yeah. I'm foolish. Why do implicit and explicit attitude tests diverge? The role of structural fit. So a couple of studies here to go over how implicit bias works. And to understand that how they're really formed, which I think has a lot to do with uh, 
where you are and where you're from because you know everybody in a different region basically has their other that they hate and they're not always the same across border lines so i think the mechanics on how it works in the mind is always the same even though the the person being blamed is different the wiring the leading to these conclusions that's all the same and i think that's compatible i think um that's worth fighting um it sounds dark but that's kind of a piece of humanity i think is worth worth oppressing because we've seen where hate and bigotry can lead and it leads to to genocide no no you can that's not a beast to feed mogwai bro mogwai but yeah um i got all these sources here if anybody wants them right there but i showed you right where they are to get them and that was just a working class observation i think i gotta let my dog out and try to find some sleep but please um i hope you found this a little bit enlightening and worth uh understanding more so that we can continue to fight implicit bias which is just the underlying mechanism of systemic racism. It's hard to make those links if you don't believe in these things, but um, I do, and the links are fairly clear. Maybe that's the wrong kind of pattern recognition, but I feel like it's the right kind that could lead to less human suffering if we can improve the quality of uh, treatment that we give to each other. Um... But that also could have sound, sounded completely idiotic coming out of my mouth. So I just want to thank you for joining me at the Class Warfare Report, where we don't try to understand the news, we try to understand ourselves. And uh, you can follow me here. See, look, it's on the screen. It says Twitter, at Class Observer. There's Facebook, at Knowledge Plug. Um, there's a YouTube where I save these. There's a little blog that I've had. I haven't had time to write articles in a long fucking time, but... Um, there's some up there that you can judge if you want to. Um, yeah, this was this was then, and you better go on and live your now because uh, there's only so much of it left uh, worth living, and so much more of it worth fighting for. I guess is how I'm going to end this. Oh wow, um, you know I really wish I had a better speech to end this out with but i'm just gonna let mr alan watts take it away i feel like that's now just today best. we are living in an age which is quite peculiar because in the world of science there are no longer any secrets because the method of science requires that all scientists be in communication with each other and therefore, that every scientist, as soon as he has discovered something or uh, got a good idea, he rushes into print. And it's important for him to do so because some other scientist somewhere else in the world might be thinking about something on the same lines and would be stimulated in his work by this man's speculations, even if not uh, by discoveries. And so the whole scientific world tries to remain in communication and for this reason, uh, it was absolutely impossible to keep atomic energy a secret. In former ages, that might have been managed, because there were many secrets once upon a time. 
and people were not admitted to these secrets unless they were in some way tested and found capable of handling them without running amok. We live in such a dangerous age because all the secrets are out in the open and anybody can run amok with them. And that's just the situation we have to face and that is just the situation we have to handle. It is too late to stop it because that would be, as they say, locking the door after the horse has bolted. The vice president of an extremely important corporation in the United States, very progressive and very uh, vital, a few months ago said, there are two major forces operating in the world today, for good or for evil. One is Red China, the other is LSD. <laughs> and there is a certain reason why such a thing as a certain chemical which is capable of opening people's minds in a certain way should be something extremely disturbing. Because uh, this particular chemical in common with a number of others that have been known for centuries but have been rather played cool through those centuries uh, is capable of doing something which simply cannot be tolerated. That is to say, capable of letting properly prepared individuals, or sometimes improperly prepared individuals, in on a secret which is very closely guarded, and which is, as a matter of fact, the deepest and most fundamental of all our social taboos. I have just finished writing a book, which I have had, uh, with a sort of tongue-in-cheek attitude, had the temerity to call The Book. And it is subtitled, The Book, you see, on the taboo against knowing who you are. Because that is really the thing that cannot be let out. Uh, sex is not really a serious taboo in our culture. If you are... Uh, initiating a young person into life and you realize that your son or daughter is going to college and that you ought therefore to have a serious talk with them, they'll laugh at you and say, all this thing you're telling us about sex, we knew years ago and we know more about it than you do. So uh, that is not a subject uh, for a serious initiation talk to a young person. So we have to think again and try and find out, think deeply, what is fundamentally taboo in this culture and perhaps in other cultures as well? What, uh, would, what information, in other words, would really let, out, let the cat out of the bag and give away the show? Now, quest around a bit. Ask yourself this. For what reason would a person be considered hopelessly insane? What uh, sort of claims must a person simply not make? Well, there is one. And that is if anybody claims that he is God. That simply isn't done. Certainly not in our culture 
although it's very frequent in India. But in our culture, that is simply uh, not allowed because we, uh, most of us from a Christian background, and if not that, from a Jewish background, and there's a great deal in common, because both Christians and Jews are deeply concerned about somebody called Jesus Christ. Both Christians and Jews are in a way followers of Jesus Christ in different ways. He is a problem to both <laughs> because he was the man who came out and discovered he was God. And uh, that simply is impermissible. The Jews handled it in one way. The Christians handled it quite as effectively in another way. The Christians handled Jesus perfectly, even more tactfully than the Jews, by putting him on a pedestal and saying, this was the only man who ever was God and nobody else was really so before and certainly nobody can be so afterwards. Stop right there. Put him on the altar, bow down to him, worship him so that everything he had to say will be null and void.